You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We're the Fantasy Joes. We're back after our bye week. I am at Rota Librarian, Ryan Livergood. Joining me this evening from the Pillow Palace in beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's Will the Thrill Greenwood! I am happy to be back. And I was looking at some uh, some offense or some scoring overall for teams, Ryan. Can you guess the lowest scoring team in the league? Well, it's got to be between the Jets and the Bears, I would think. Oh, it's it's clearly the Jets. The Jets. Uh, the next lowest team is a little over forty points ahead of them. Uh, in total points scored and the jets have not had their bye week <laughs> that's funny um it could be one of those nfc least teams as well i guess um maybe the giants or the redskins i don't know there, there are some bad there are plenty of bad teams to go around in the nfl so yeah so the giants are 45 scoreboard points i think the giants might have a defensive touchdown or two at some point but they're 40 yeah 47 scoreboard points ahead of the jets and wow. who's in a better place who knows yeah, well, let, let's let's talk about some um, some good things, shall we? And not, and not the Jets' offense. Let's talk about our moments and letdowns of the week. And, and Will, for week nine, we will give the honor for moments to Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook two two weeks in a row has just been unbelievable. So, Dalvin mm, Cook moments mm. of the week. Mm. What do you got? I mean, one this should have been named something else, Ryan. What? Uh, my boy, Ryan effing no baby uh he nearly finished as an rb1 this past week i I don't remember the last time he played a meaningful snap in a game i think he's had like three uh snaps in the regular season in his whole career he had some good preseason games but i was looking at this in sleeper like in in the early season but he nearly nearly finished as an rb1 last week he was rb13 and you know what he didn't have any rushing attempts that is a very, very big boy who has now become an oversized scat pack, which is even better, right, for fantasy? Yeah, it's it, it was a, one of those weeks, though, where to sneak into the top. No, 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 no. I'm interrupting this. It's Ryan Eving Nall, baby. Well, his Where can we just live in this? He caught four balls for 35 yards and a touchdown. That's 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 not not horrible if you had him in your flex or something, but come on. Ryan, no. Ryan, no. All right, let, let's get to a real Dalvin Cook moment. And for me, I'm going to start off with talking about Monday Night Football because admittedly, I thought, what a horrible game. You've got New England, you've got the Jets, um, the aforementioned Jets with their horrible offense. But guess what? They had some spark because they had Joey Flacco in there making some big plays, throwing some bombs to Rashard Perryman, uh, Jacoby Myers balling out with with, uh, with Cam Newton. And hey, I, missed, the- I missed that hot take by one week, by the way. With the hundred yard receiver, <laughs> you did, you did. Um, so that was a that was a fun game. I mean, surprisingly, you know, I think the expectations were so low, and like I I didn't have it on early, and I looked at my phone, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the Jets are beating the Pats. This is crazy. So you turn it on, and it was just a fun. It was a fun game. I mean, not the best football in the world necessarily, but <laughs> you know, it was. But it was fun. It was entertaining. I, I was I was entertained. And I, what I, more can I ask for a Monday night? Yeah, and. and- the I feel like the, the somehow one Cam Newton looks like tired 
out there in those like last drives. I was watching it and maybe it's the, the different uniform or his energy is just different with this team. But he, to me, even though he, you know, he won them the game. Cam, I mean, Cam Newton is the only offensive weapon on that team that really, really matters. Uh, he, he seemed like everything was just moving a little bit slower. And then I started to wonder conspiracy theory, Ryan is his throwing motion right now looks insane, but I wonder if that's camera work and how he used to throw or how they're used to like working with Newton, or if, if it's just like, it looks, I feel like it looks like way different than it did, you know, two years ago with healthy Newton. Yeah. He's just been through so much in his career, especially the past couple of years, but um, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what, what happens with the Pats. I mean, with that win, they're still theoretically in playoff contention. They could, you know, win some games here and, you know, you, you don't want to bet against that team and that coach. So we'll, we'll see what happens. What, what's your next uh, moment of the week, Will? Well, one thing I just don't want to forget from last week, Ryan, was the Thursday night game with the Niners and Packers. Uh, one, the fact that it happened, which we won't go into, but two. Such, such a weird game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the fact that it happened, like with, with the, the number of players missing, it was bizarre. Yeah, and, and I, I, had, I had picked up and started Trent Taylor in a PPR league thinking like, you know, with everything going on, you, you may be good for like, under 10 points but like a solid a solid start and then i was really regretting it later but then my other bitch re- receivers did play. but anyway let's not forget what richie james did in this game for the richie james breakout and what you know a guy that we've talked about maybe year over year being just a depth chart piece but he goes off for for 184 yards and a tutty like that is an absolutely massive game that's gonna be one of the top wide receiver games of the season and i think it's just a highlight to show you know, a player that has had to work his entire career finally gets the starting chance. He doesn't get the number one quarterback matchup and gets targeted a lot. And even if it's a catch up mode garbage time, I don't care the ability, you know, for, for someone like that to flash that big in a moment where everybody's watching because it's Thursday. uh, I just really enjoyed Richie James's performance, even though I didn't have him starting in fantasy. So that is altruistic. Yeah, maybe if you got some best ball leagues out there, you might have Richie James on the bottom of your bench. But there's, uh, no. I feel like no way. There's like unless you have waivers. Yeah, I, I think even in the best ball leagues I'm in, they're pretty deep. You know, I I, I mean, I, I know in some deep leagues that Richie James might have been rostered, but I, his start percentage had to be real low. I mean, maybe you had everyone on buy and you had no 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 choice but to start Richie James. But yeah, no, it's a fun story. I, I mean. I don't think we're going to, I mean, I think that's his career, you know, game, the game of his career. I don't think we're going to see anything like that again, but I guess, you know, stranger things have happened. We'll see. Um, but it's a good one. Uh, some great performances in that game. Richie James, your number one wide receiver um, for the week. And then Devonte Adams right behind him in the same game. Um, don't forget Marquez Valdez Scantling was a wide receiver 18. He had a couple of touchdowns in that game. So next we'll, for me, we'll talk more about Devonte Adams later too. All right. I love Devontae Adams and I might love Jacob Hollister because maybe he is going to emerge as the Seahawks tight end one. Um, well, uh, Jacob Hollister had caught five balls for 60 yards on seven targets, which is not amazing. But if you look at the tight end landscape this year, that's not bad. Yeah. It's pretty hot. That's yeah. You might, hot. You, you might plug him into your tight end spot. Um, if you look at, you know, who, you know, Will Disley really hasn't done very much this year at all. You know, he's still probably recovering from what was Achilles that, that knocked him he, out. So year. he's had patellar tendon and Achilles. Yeah. Two of the most yeah. catastrophic injuries you can have as a player. Greg Olson's just, he's old. Let's be honest. Um, 
averaging 2.75 targets a game since week four. So, you know, I, I know that the Hollister, you know, maybe best case scenario would be like the, the third option in that passing game. And that's being very, very, very optimistic. Uh, but, you know, he's at least most of my dynasty leagues, he was out there and I grabbed him where I needed some tight end help. So there is not only a moment, but some actionable advice under Dalvin Cook moments. Uh, Jacob Hollister, see if he's out there. And, and maybe it's nothing. Maybe he goes back to, you know, one or two targets next week and, and does nothing. But we've seen him do it before. Last year, he had a pretty nice stretch there for the Seahawks. So uh, I, I thought it was a nice moment. Jacob Hollister, let's see what happens. Yeah, right. I remember I remember last year or, or the year before when he was breaking out and we had scooped up Hollister and played him on the, the team that you, I, and Trey had together. And I was like, if there's anybody with the last name like Abercrombie or Aeropostal out there in the league, we need to go scoop him up as well. And one of my funniest jokes uh, when it comes to player names. Still still a good one. Still a good one. Uh, what's your next uh, double good moment, Will? Uh, I, so I loved just is, is overall football that the Panthers gave the Chiefs a scare last week. Uh, there's, there's some downsides to that game, but on the overall upside, it's, it's really fun when a rebuilding team like the Panthers are and Teddy Bridgewater, just going out there and, and just showing up in, in some big moments. And I really, that, that game was just fun. That was, it just was fun overall. And they, they put fear into the chiefs, the chiefs eyes, and it almost came back and had an opportunity, you know, for a game time drive and you don't, the Panthers should be they should be on the opposite ends of, you know, of the spectrum with the chiefs when it comes to comes to talent. And they, the chiefs were seemed legitimately like, uh, like worried about how that was going to end up. And so that was just really, really enjoying to watch. The Panthers are interesting. Well, they're, they're a really up and coming team. I, I think with uh, what they're, they're putting in place there. Um, yeah. You know, basically their whole draft was, was, a, you know, defense. And I think that defensive unit will come together with the offense uh, with, with CMC, of course, and other weapons they have. So their future is bright. I mean, that's a, that's a, if you're a Carolina fan, not only did you like seeing your, your team play the Chiefs that well, but, but the future is bright. It's it's exciting. Yeah, uh, the, way, the way the running or the running back landscape has been this year, Ryan, to watch CMC again come back and just be in full stride, he I, I almost forgot how incredible he is because we haven't seen him in so many weeks. He's like it, – it's such a difference maker – uh, comparatively to other, you know, even great fantasy running backs. Like he is such an elite talent. It's impressive. Yeah, he, he's impressive. And um, unfortunately he looks like he's going to miss some more time, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take what we can get and hopefully he'll be back for your fancy playoffs. If you... No, they're getting a fifth opinion, Ryan. It's good to go. <laughs> no, that's All good. Right. Um, th- this last one for me <laughs> moment, I don't have too many Delvin Cook moments this week. Um, Jimmy Graham, he is the tight end six um, overall on the season. And I say better late than never in the show notes, Will, because I remember last year I had that bold prediction that Jimmy Graham was going to have a really big season. I think I said he was going to be a top three tight end, which was was silly. Uh, and, and not that he's having this necessarily monster year. And I think just the fact that he's a tight end six just tells you all you need to know about the tight end position in 2020. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, you know, he's, you know, if, if you got him on your roster, you're probably playing him most weeks at tight end because you know he's he's just you know uh the, one of the few red zone options the bears have <laughs> and and you know he's putting up some numbers so i think that's kind of cool that jimmy graham is having a a good year and you know the, the bears have made plenty of poor decisions and ba- poor signings um over the past several years uh, but I, I think that jimmy graham maybe that signing wasn't quite as bad as as, as people 
thought it was going into the year. So, um, I, I, yeah, Jimmy Graham. It's it's nice to see you know these old tight ends still put up some fantasy numbers. Yeah, I, I love Jimmy Graham. Uh, when I was living in Seattle, Ryan, I almost bought a Jimmy Graham Seahawks jersey when he he went to Seattle uh, in that in that trade where they sent the was it Unger I think to the to the Saints. It didn't work out overall very well for the Seahawks as far as you know production and everything like that. But as a player and his like story, like I, I just. The only thing that I won't be sad of if when Jamie Graham is gone is hearing that uh, he was an ex-basketball player. It's very similar to uh, Antonio Gates. It's just like there's only one narrative every game that they get that that, that they're in there for. Yeah, that's yeah that that gets that gets tired. Um, speaking of of tired, Will, um, moving into the letdown. Oh no, you got you still have one more. No, moment. I got to Ryan. I got to get this out there. Yeah, gotta uh, get this out there. Because one. Do you remember our early shows? We were doing an early rookie mock draft. Uh, and I took Caitlin Blage in the rookie mock draft. And Nick Nick Whalen was on the show and was like, ah, I just don't think he's that good. You know, like he, he doesn't move that well. You know, he's had these kind of like boom games. This was early in our in our fantasy careers. And Nick Whalen was right, by the way. <laughs> it's important, Ryan. It's important here. Uh he was one, he was very he was very uh wrong in, in week ten or week nine of the 2020 season. I don't know how he didn't see this coming besides years of no production, ducking to miss a pass uh, and being cut from multiple teams and failing physicals. Uh, Kalen Blige tops out this week at RB five. And it's not that that's really a high of the week. And that, that, that was kind of off the cuff, bringing up the the Nick Whalen point, because I think it's hilarious because it was a horrible choice by me. Nick Whalen called it out. But right now, Nick Whalen, if I've stashed him on my taxi squad for like, what four years, three years, and have never started him. I definitely started him this week, but uh, I, I it was kind of fun just to to see to see him out there. He still looks like he's trying to bounce everything outside and look like a mess. But uh, I I don't know. It's kind of fun when you look back and you were very very wrong about something, but that that player has like one boom week. You're like, oh, I remember that person, and you have like fond memories about it. Uh, yeah, so, that's 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 true. I, I like that. Um, that's a great segue into what we're going to call the letdowns. Cause I have the letdowns labeled the Justin Jackson letdowns because um, you know, he basically gave you a zero because and, and a lot, you know, not, not that you really were thrilled about starting him, but I started him in some leagues. So I thought he was going to be a decent start and um, no, it, it turned out it was Caitlin Blosh. That was the decent start. So um, <laughs> I, I think week nine, nine performances in general, um, I've, I've got down as a letdown. I, I mean, when you get Caleb Balazs as a top five running back, somehow it's just. Katie McKissick was number four. Yeah, it's just it's just gross. It's just it, it just was a, a weird week. You know, you had um, a couple of stand up performances, Dalvin Cook, CMC, and I think like you know James Robinson had a good week, maybe a few others. But generally speaking, it was a it was a poor week for for running backs. And I remember in some of my leagues where I looked at the running back position who I started and I'm like, Ooh, like I'm definitely going to lose this matchup because my running backs were awful. But then I looked at who I was playing against and it was, I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm okay. <laughs> Cause they're in the same boat as me. Um, what, what about you? Will? What, what's your first letdown of, uh, of week nine? Well, and it kind of goes into that, that, that kind of segue. Uh, it was kind of, it's sad to see the, the Broncos, you know, having a, a great comeback against the chargers, like an epic comeback. And then you look for your, like your fantasy players and stats coming out of that. And I've been such a Philip Lindsay fan uh, for, for a while. And it just, you just got nothing, you know, out of the, uh, the, the whole uh, backfield on that team. And so it was just, it's just kind of a letdown. Cause I had 
Philip Lindsay is a spot starter, you know, and he goes for eight for 23 rushing and 0 for three catching. So it's a fantasy line for a player that you're most likely starting in this running back landscape. It's a, it's just kind of a letdown overall that you didn't get to get a piece of that comeback pie. Yeah, it, it is disappointing. Um, Philip Lindsay, I, I'm, I'm with you. Do you um, harbor some hopes for him moving on? Um, that that he could still emerge in that backfield and put up some decent numbers or, or like i think with me when i look at philip Lindsay and melvin gordon for the rest of the year i'm just i'm never gonna feel good about starting either one of those guys yeah yeah and i, I worry about him going uh the the edwards route with baltimore i don't know his contract if he's like an exclusive rights free agent too after all of this because with undrafted free agents uh their contract status kind of screws them out of, of actually getting paid at any point in time at the running back position. But Ryan, 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 what if, what if in the off season though, the Niners trade for Philip Lindsay? Just what they need another running back that, that I mean, why not? Because they, yeah, have, they love you. Jeffes. Let's go. Let's do it. Oh, let's see other letdowns for week nine. Um, Sunday night football Brady versus breeze. I, I just have to say it. I, I mean, I, I've watched very little of that game. Uh, you know, I was, you know, wrapping things up Sunday night. I looked down, down at my phone and I think the score was, I, I don't remember what it was. I, I mean, we're, we're, I think the a lot to a little, yeah, the bucks were up by three scores already. And I thought to myself, oh man, you know, um, so just, just to let down, I think, you know, the, if you were looking at week nine, that game was probably circled on your calendar as like must watch television, Brady versus breeze, Antonio Brown's coming back. Um, it, it just, it just was not much of a football game. It was so one-sided. So it was, that was disappointing. A big letdown. And, and no garbage time for fantasy either. Yeah. Like every, everybody under, like underperformed. I mean, the, the saints were up, they went up 38, zero. They blanked the, 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 the Buccaneers until late. They're like, eh, two thirds of the way through the fourth quarter. And that was only a field goal. Like who's kicking field goals down 38, zero. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. if you needed three points from Ryan Suckup, you were you were happy with that field goal. <laughs> yeah, buckets for days. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pivot a little bit, Ryan. One of the it's, it's been the past two weeks. One of the I think the big letdowns as far as it comes to like dynasty player value is so Dante Pettis got cut by the Niners, who should trade for every good uh, undervalued player in every other team, but he got cut by them, and then he got scooped up by the Giants and on waivers. So you know, they, they use their, you know, like lower status to be able to pick them up. And I just, you know, I just, why, why, why do the dynasty fantasy, you know, overlords hate Dante Pettis for, for where he got picked up to. I mean, on the giants, what's he going to do there? There's just nothing available. His dynasty value is already tanked, but at least you could have some sort of hype train or some sort of fun. If he went to a team with kind of a, a lesser wide receiver, core. like, like if Dante Pettis got picked up by the dolphins, You'd be pretty stoked about that, especially that's the team I was thinking about. (laughs) Like, you know, it's it's tough to it's yeah, it's he he would have another big opportunity. But with the Giants, like Daniel Jones can't even use his assets now. He's 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 ruining everything. And so he's going to go through this season. And I don't know how waivers work with contracts moving into next year. But um, I was just I was just sad that we didn't we didn't get any fun out of that. So kind of a, a, a. off the the narrative of the week let down but dynasty value let down hey well i've got a question for you what player so dante pettis is my guy that 
I really wanted him like during my rookie drafts. I, I was a big Dante Pettis fan, but I, I didn't really get much of him for whatever reason. Either people drafted him before me or, or whatnot. And the one league I had him, I, I decided for whatever reason to to trade. Like it was after his rookie year, so he still had some value going into his second year. And I I traded him. I don't even know what I got. But I, clearly, I won the deal because I got something for Dante Pettis. Um, so he is my. Uh, we, we sometimes we talk about um, regrets, like who we missed on. Like, oh, I wish I would have got more Justin Herbert coming into the year. But what do you have any players that you really wanted that you didn't get a lot of, and that now in hindsight, several years later, you're really glad you missed out on? Because he's mine. I love Dante Pettis. I loved him. And I didn't get him, you know, one league. And then I sold him because I thought I needed to do this deal. So you have any guys like that? Uh, off, the, off the top of my head, I'll, I'll have to look back. Because, Ryan, I, I'm sure I have a lot. Because I love a lot of a lot of players, <laughs> a lot of rookies coming out. Uh, and, and I typically, you know, just move up into the first rounds to grab. And then let those other later rounds go. One of them that I was really worried about this year was was Josh Kelly. Is a, is a recent example I had scooped up Josh Kelly in a, in a couple places, but kind of took, you know, different running backs or, or, you know, somebody else over him and uh, was really, really regretting it, you know, a couple weeks into the season. And then at this point in time, uh, you're kind of like, well, you know, unless, unless you use that as a trade asset, you wonder what you have moving forward. But uh, I'll, I'll put that, put that, uh, earmark that. You're marked up for next. Sorry, week. did me be on the spot. I wasn't sure there was one that would just like pop into your head because whenever I see his name, I think to myself like, "Oh, I'm I'm glad I'm I missed out in so many leagues because I really I really loved him." Um, and I did think one of those one of those things, super talented guy, but for whatever reason, just doesn't have it like between his you know between his in his head between his ears, right? I, maybe he doesn't have the work ethic, or I don't know what his deal is. I but. mean, he was he was moving up into what like. I want to say like seventh round redraft pick after his rookie season into the next year after, you know, after he really flashed he, maybe eighth round. Yeah. Cause he had those games high. his rookie year. That's right. He had those yeah. like two or three games where he lit up some teams. Yeah. So he's talented. It's and just, he looked he's good doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe he just, just disagreed with somebody within the organization. Like you never really know how that, how that all works out. Uh, you want to ha- like, you believe the Niners are, are doing everything right, but maybe, there was just a, a, a massive difference in, a, you know, in, in values or opinion between him and the coaching staff. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out someday. Um, not on the giants. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not on the giants. That's the um, anyway. So I'll just go with, with one more letdown and it, it's just uh, DJ Moore, DJ Moore, where art thou? Um, it's a couple weeks in a row. He's really let us down and DJ Moore is a really talented guy. And, I think they just spread the ball around that offense and it's just not going his way, but he's had two really, really poor weeks. And, and maybe, you know, some people expected Gigi Moore to be a wide receiver one this season. And I, and I, I thought that eh, maybe that's a little bit rich, but I thought he'd at least be a high end two. You could land him to be a solid wide receiver two. And that's, I don't think that's the case. I, I think DJ Moore just been a big disappointment this year. So that's my, yeah. that's my letdown. I was and always- it's, it's, it's not just the, the production it's the the targets and how the other players are performing that offense i mean on the on the flip side of that robbie anderson has been one of the nicest treats of this year moving to the panthers but but can we really be surprised that when you move away from adam gase's offense that you do better kaylin balage everybody kaylin balage man another another um piece of evidence to to back up that argument huh not that you needed it i i, I guess tj moore i'm looking where he ranks he's still the you know, he is a wide receiver too, but I just, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. It's just, 
but he's you're in, in dynasty you're paying wide receiver one prizes for dj Moore. oh yeah no doubt about that and with the the variance of wide receiver and the way the nfl is changing his cost is not worth what he does for your dynasty team right now yeah agreed agreed and i think you said this before when we t- we did maybe that show where we looked at 2021 values and i think i probably had dj Moore higher than you because i just love dj Moore. but i think you pointed out something that's very very evident that I, th- I think you said that you just don't see him ever being in the upper tier of wide receivers, like top five or six, because um, he's not like that alpha dog. He, you know, he, he, he doesn't, you know, um, initially get the red zone looks and touchdowns. And I think you're spot on. I mean, I think he's still going to be, be a wide receiver one, but he's not going to be that, you know, one of those alpha dog guys. I just don't think that's in his range of outcomes. So it's disappointing. I, see, me. Ryan, now we're flipping because I still think that's in his range of outcomes. I don't think, so this is year three for DJ Moore. It's and he came into the league as a 20 year old and you know, brand new offense and how things are changing and just how their season's going. And, and I mean, at, the, at their core, the Panthers aren't very good. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. There's they're still, there's still more there. There's more there to be harvested for fantasy points, but I, I that's only the range of outcomes argument. It's not saying that right. I believe that's going to happen. Right. Right. But I mean, he, I, uh... I mean, he's really talented. I guess I, I guess I shouldn't say it isn't possible, but I, I think more has to go right for him than some other guys that are more likely candidates. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. To be that like, a, I'm talking about like top five, six, you know, wide receiver, but anyway, we can, we can move on from JJ Moore. It's, I'm getting depressed. To, to yeah. Start. We're like, like coming into the season, like looking at like him and like you, like you would, like you would trade DK Metcalf for DJ Moore every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I would have too, it just would have been the smart move. And now you would right. be kicking yourself. Um, because yeah anyway yeah I would, uh, I would have like laughed in my inbox if i got that i would have been like oh that's ridiculous and, and now <laughs> this goes to show you you, you know we, we think we know so much but but well, we, we, uh, we play a small sample size game and you but you have yeah. to enjoy the variance you, you, you have opinions on players you have you know you've done all the research and analytical you, you can read there's so much uh analytical research out there that you can just use but yeah. at the end of the day you have to make just a decision of how you whether or not you want that player or not and what you think they'll do and I don't know where I was going with that, but long story short, uh, let's move on to yep. what are the, what are the opinions in the off season, Ryan? And this kind of goes into the, so Jonathan Taylor is a letdown for me this week because he, he kind of got taken out of the game after he fumbled and that fumble was very representative of how he fumbled in college. So he's fighting for extra yards and the ball gets ripped out from him. This happened all the time in college is one of the issues of like, not just going down or like ball security while having multiple tacklers on him. And he's kind of, you know, his, his rocket ship of, of dynasty value has crashed down to earth like heavily, but I wanted to look back too, just because the Colts overall offense with Phillip rivers coming in there and in the passing game and the passes to running backs. So, so far this year, total passing game stats. So the Colts uh, through their, through their eight games that they've played uh, with their bye week they've targeted the running back 68 times and the running backs have 58 catches. And I was like, okay, well, is that different than, than years prior. And I was, I was expecting a pretty wild variance. And there, there was one going back into 2019 where that, uh, you know, Philip Rivers started the running backs 177 times and they had 143 catches uh, over the year. The, the gap there is in efficiency between targets and catches. And then uh, like, like usage, you know, in the, in the running back backfield, I just wanted more, basically the letdown of where I'm going at with this uh, is that, Philip Rivers isn't on track to target the running backs as much as he used to. 
and we're not hitting on that PPR value that we want from that Colts backfield. I mean, even in 2018, uh, it was 140 targets and 106 catches, which would tie the amount of catches for this year. And, you know, going back prior, maybe I was overvaluing that over time versus their boom year in 2019. So long story short, the, the, the part of this letdown is I overvalued the pass catching running back role for the Colts going into the season. And with Jonathan Taylor fumbling and Naheem Hines usage being all over the board and the, the targets not being what they were last year, I, I kind of put too much stock into how that offense was going to change for pass catching running backs. Yeah, that it is disappointing. And it feels like the, the tight ends for the Colts are the ones getting so many targets. I, I don't know if you could, it would be interesting to compare that as well, because um, I'm just, I just pulled up the targets for any tight ends. So um, Doyle's got 15, Moali Cox is 21, Trey Burton has 24. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we're talking, you know, 60 targets to the tight end position. Um, I, I, you know, and um, I mean, not that that's among the league leaders. I know Kelsey has 79 targets here, but anyway, I'm, I'm Anyway, let me digress. I agree with you. It is a, a disappointing um, turn of events for the, that Colts backfield in, in PPR leagues in particular. I, and I'm glad we kind of ended with, um, well, we'll say that for two of the week. That's not, that's not next. Um, Cause we'll get back to the Colts and Jonathan Taylor in particular here. when We get to the tweet of the week, but will you have some things you want to share with the listeners? You've, you've learned some lessons this year coming into um, the 2020 season. So do, you want to share your story, what you learned? This yeah, is I was just, uh, Dynasty uh, Lessons with Will. I was just going to share a fun story and see, you know, maybe provoke some more conversation around this. Of like what Dynasty trades were offered to you earlier on that you, you know, rejected based on uh, what, what you thought was going to happen the rest of season. And Ryan, in the league we're in together, it's a half PPR, you know, single quarterback league. Uh, it was right after week one when Naheem Hines went full ham uh, on the Jaguars. And uh, I was I was offered in that league at this time, James Robinson and Rob Gronkowski for Naheem Hines. And I think uh, I think I, I might have been adding like a fourth round pick or something. And I so I, I but instead of Ryan of instantly accepting this because I was speculative at the time, this whole like. James Robinson's a starter role. You know, it's week one. He was hot. Naheem Hines just had two touchdowns. Like they're using him so, so well. He is showing that spark that he's shown over like later on in the year. But, uh, you know, I, I sent it back and forth. We didn't really have a lot of conversation about it, which is my fault. And that's what's one of the regrets I have about it too, is not just exploring it more versus just trying to mind value. It, that was, a, that was a big mistake. Uh, Cause at this point in time now, uh, James Robinson is RB six in points per game for that league in RB4 in total points. Uh, CMC and Aaron Jones pass him in points per game. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not a bad passing in points per game. So it's not, it's not a small sample trap in that sense. Uh, Hines is now the RB32 in total points and RB37 in points per game. And then also Gronk is tight end 12. And my best tight end on that team is Gerald Everett. Long story short, I just have a fantasy regret that I wanted to share in a, in a trade conversation where I missed out big. Okay. You missed out big in hindsight, but is this like the, the wrong result, but the correct process, because let me play devil's advocate here for a second. After week one, 
Naheem Hines was your running back four, right? And we probably should have seen it not lasting, but you know, we, you know, we think, you know, Philip rivers, eight, eight targets, nice game. You know, uh, clearly you knew he wasn't going to finish as, as the running back four, but you, you probably had hopes of, you know, uh, maybe running back two or three, right? Conversely, James Robinson after week one, didn't have a huge week one. He was running back 34. He finished behind Josh Adams, Will, in PPR leagues. So it's not like James Robinson had this huge week one. It, it was James Robinson was um, 16 rushes for 62 yards, one catch for 28 yards. I mean, 10 PPR points. I mean, not bad, but not, I, you couldn't have seen it coming, I, I, I don't think. Um, and then with Gronk, it was like, you know, I mean, Gronk, was, Gronk was dust at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Gronk was dust. So but, I, I, so I, I think that I, I understand the regret in hindsight. Of, yeah, of course you're gonna have regret. But if you, if you go back to the end of week one, um, I totally get why you didn't make the deal. It just, I get it. Yeah, the, the thing that that gets me is I should have looked more at usage in that first game and how it played out, uh, because you know, you know, Hines flash in a game, which again with with a player like Hines. And though the Robinson is the return, you know, you, that, that there was a lot of variables there. Uh, you need to sell on Hines when you can, uh, when he flashes, because he, he's never going to be a reliable starter, right? Like, I think we can agree on that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know James Robinson was going to be this reliable starter, but on, on this rebuilding team, maybe it was, it was a time to take a risk because Hines isn't going to be like super valuable at any point in time. I, I should have gone and looked through like snap percentages and seen, just what James Robinson had done for the team versus his fantasy points. Because I was just at that time, like, wait, I can get more for Heinz in this and didn't, didn't engage enough to get that deal done. And, you know, it worked out really well for them, worked out poorly for me. It's not the end of the world, but uh, I just think it's a fun, a fun story to look back on. And like kind of those, those fantasy trades that you don't make that you look back on and, and MFL makes it really easy to search <laughs> and throw it right back in your face. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing too, you know, Raquel um, Armstead was, you know, w- w- you know, once he came back from COVID, they, there was some buzz about him maybe, you know, taking over that that backfield for Jacksonville. So I just think that um, I think you're right, though. I think you're right. You you want to look at these things and and, and yeah, it, it, maybe. And OJ maybe Howard like, went down afterwards. Like there's there's a lot of yeah it. yeah. Maybe the lesson here too is with with Hines with the rebuilding team. You know, you, you is he still on your team? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the, the deal was if you're going to take that deal, be more aggressive to shop him and get what you could, because you're right that you had a, a very small window to get something for, for Heinz and, um, and, and to take advantage of those things. And it, I know it's tough too, because you know, that's the, I think the hardest thing to do for, for me anyway, as a dynasty owner, when you have a performance that you just know is not going to be sustainable. Like we, we all knew that Heinz wasn't going to be, this running back one, you know, this, we just, we knew it, but it, it was, it was hard to move on from that. So logically we all should have tried to have shopped him, but uh, you know, in the few leagues I have him, I'm like, well, look at this poker chip I've got now. I mean, you know, th- this is a guy that I can at least plug into my flex and is going to help my team. And, and that hasn't happened. So I, you know, I, I think that's a trap we all fall into. I think you just have to re- like, you know, re- yes, you want to be flexible. And when you see the DK Metcalf as this total stud, you, you know, if you have him as your, you know, wide receiver 27 and dynasty coming to the league, you want to pivot on your thought process there, of course. Uh, but on the other hand, if you, if you see something that, you know, is a bit of an outlier and you feel confident in it, you, you want to 
acts decisively. And we don't always do that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard because we're like, well, we've got this asset that's valuable now. And it's, it's time consuming. You gotta, you gotta work the, the league to get these deals done. And sometimes we just don't have the time to do it. So. Yeah. Like, and, and the pieces of returning, it's a great example of like seeing the pieces of return you would have got, you know, do, do a lot better, you know, later on in the fantasy season, but I should have just explored that more as well because Heinz isn't a long, like Heinz is fine. Uh, in, 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 I think it was Marlon Mack went down in week one, right? Like it was, yep. yeah. So that was a part of it too. Right. And now that, now that you see kind of how that offense completely works and you know, Heinz can have two touchdowns in a game. I mean, he could go off just massively each week, but you're not in a, in a competing team. So like next year when this team is ready to go, because I have a lot of young talent and it's a good team. I think overall, uh, Heinz isn't going to be a piece of that. So that I should have, you know, explored it more, you know, if those didn't end up being the pieces to make the deal, uh, capitalizing when the, when the, you know, when it's when your player is hot on the streets, when he's not going to be long-term for you and realizing that is something that I should have just known better overall. I mean, we've been doing this show for a long time, dynasty for a long time. Now that was just a, it was me just trying to be greedy. I was just, I was just like, you know, you're, you know, Barkley when your running backs are underperforming, uh, James Connors doesn't look like he's going to be, you know, performing this year. Like, let me try to, you know, you know, dig some, let, let me get some more from you. And that, that was just a, it's a bad idea. Let's move on from that lesson. If that was a good discussion. Well, I'm glad we, I'm glad we talked about that. I'll have to look back and see if I can find some deals. Cause I, I have, I'm sure plenty that I passed on that in hindsight would depress the heck out of me. So um, let's talk about, some research you did because you've got some really interesting numbers um, that have to do with wide receivers this year. So one wide receiver touchdowns are, are out of control this year, Ryan, that's where this point comes from. And this is what I want to talk about uh, uh, along with like a lot of, you know, running backs being hurt and, and being out and the disparity between the, you know, the top and the bottom and, and what we're seeing in week to week running back scoring I was just looking briefly into some wide receiver scoring. And I don't think we've really, I haven't heard a lot of this in all the fantasy podcasts that I listened to uh, dynasty and redraft that the, the wide receiver touchdown scoring is, is it, it's insane this year compared to last year. And, and so we're getting a lot more fantasy points out of it. So last year on the whole uh, 17 weeks, and you know, I like my 16 week sample sizes because that's the fantasy season. But anyway, only three players had 10 or more receiving touchdowns. It was Galladay, Andrews, and Cooper Cup, of all people. Uh, five had nine TD receptions. Jared Cook was the, t- the tight end in the mix, along with other wide receivers. And six had eight touchdown catches. So we kind of have this, uh, you know, the, the, this this I don't know, quick sample of, of wide receiver or pass-catching touchdown scoring. So through nine weeks of this season, right, uh, we have – Tyreek Hill is at nine touchdown catches leading the league. So they have their bye this week. You know, they have nine games played. It kind of makes sense. Uh, he has a rushing touchdown on top of that just for funsies. But so he has his nine touchdowns so far, just absolutely crushing what he did last year. Metcalf is at eight. Devontae Adams is at eight in only six games participated in. And one of those games was barely participated in. Tyrell Lockett's at seven. Adam Thielen is at seven. And Lockett and Thielen are both at eight games played. Evans is at seven at nine. AJ Brown, he missed a couple of games and they've had their bye, but he's at he's at six touchdown catches uh, and on a great pace. And then we have this this mix below it 
I'm just going to read this off real quick. So Travis Kelsey, Will Fuller, John Smith, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, all have six touchdowns as well. And we, we can kind of run down this further and further. But at this point in the season, uh, we are looking, I don't know, we're, we're probably looking at maybe 15 total pass catchers if you just extrapolated stats out to have over 10 touchdowns this season. So my question is, and this goes to like redraft and dynasty, the rest of season, do you see this trend continuing where we're going to have people who are lower that we expect to have more touchdowns kind of catch up, you know, like, like, you know, like Julio's still down there. I mean, he'll never catch up in touchdowns, but uh, as an example, uh, Mike the one Williams that is guaranteed a, in fantasy. Julio, yeah. Like Mike, Mike, Mike Williams has a big touchdown upside, you know, now that they have uh, a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield better. Uh, there's this potential like variance where, where, where these players move up, but we are way ahead of pace of last year when it comes to pass catching touchdowns. And that results in just a ton of fantasy points in what's happening. So teams that are doing really well now who maybe went, maybe not zero RB, but kind of faded RBs in like an auction draft or in their dynasty team has some of these guys who are booming. What, what do you think? Do you think this is the kind of like the COVID season and this will, this will continue uh, with just these passing games going off and, and, and all these touchdowns being scored, or is this a middle of the season before all your trade deadlines, time to sell. COVID season for, for me, I, I, you know, when, when I saw this in the show sheet and I was thinking like that, I'm like, okay, this is, this totally has to do with COVID. Right. And so I, I found this article um, that I, I should put it in the show sheet. So, or the show notes so people could see it. So scoring is up across the league um, with the current 20, 5.2 points per game average on pace to shatter the 2018 record of 23.3. And this article talks about th- there's no home field advantage anymore that, you know, you, you can go into places uh, like central link in Seattle, go, go into Mercedes Benz in new Orleans, Arrowhead and Kansas city. Those places were like impossible to play for not impossible, but it was hard for offenses going to those places. Right. Well, well now you've got six teams averaging 30 or more points on the road and 10 teams averaging 29 or more points. Last season, only one team averaged 30 or more points on the road and only three averaged <laughs> 29 or more. So I, th- I think that's, it's just that simple. I think that it's so much easier for these offenses to, to perform because they don't have to, you know, have to worry about, you know, like everyone can hear the, the, the call on the field from the quarterback. So I, I anticipate it, it continuing to, to keep on cooking. I mean, I think it's just that simple. Um, sometimes I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think we need to overthink things. Uh, um, although I do with some of those players do worry about a little bit of regression, like Will Fuller, what he's doing, you know, as an example, I, I don't think that's going to keep up. I mean, he just continues to like score touchdowns at an interesting pace. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we're going to have a, a ton of guys in double digits. And, and I think all those guys that are on top of the leaderboard, you know, the, the studs, Terry Kill, DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, I think they're just going to keep on cooking. So um, yeah. And you still have on pace some of the, you know, like Mark Andrews, I think has been uh, with the way that his, his weeks have gone. He still has five touchdowns through eight games. I mean, if, if you, if they, if that passing game just gets slightly better and Andrews kind of returns back to form uh, that that's what the league leader, you know, tied for the league leader last year in passing touchdown or receiving touchdowns was. And I, I think that there's just been down weeks too, for some of these guys that, uh, that we can take, you know, take advantage of. I thought one interesting player to call out too was, was Travis Fulgham uh, in his five games. 
of being off, you know, practice squads and everything like that with the, with the Eagles, he has four touchdowns. Uh, it's, it's, it's been fun and it's been wild and unexpected, but I don't think we, we expected anything like this. The one thing, cause it's just like, you know, touchdowns per game research. This is the most simple research you can do, but it's, it's fun to re- recognizing this in dynasty for if you're a rebuilding team or win now team, uh, you can pay a little bit more or you know, pay maybe market price for these guys because it will continue the rest of your ranks. I think your point is right. That offenses are still going to just be going full ham all the time. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you're rebuilding and you have these players, you should not expect this production next year. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that it has been fun about 2020. It's been a weird year in a lot of different ways, but yeah, we're seeing some, some guys really blow up each week and some high scores and, and that's fun, especially with wide receivers. I mean, I don't know. We, we should look at running backs and see, how this compares because I feel like it's the pass catchers that are taking advantage of this trend. And, and I, I don't know, maybe that's just my own perception, but um, I, I yeah, and we've that. seen it with like r- rookie wide receivers too popping off, you know, it's uh, when, when Dak Prescott was healthy, CD lamb uh, becoming, you know, moving up to people's, you know, dynasty wide receiver one overall chase Claypool, I think has, f- he has four or five receiving touchdowns, but then has two rushing touchdowns as well. And these uh, rookie wide receivers are integrating the offense faster than what our top rookie running backs are. Like, like Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins, Jandre Swift currently don't look like any sort of league winner coming from the rookie season. And that's, that is a little bit surprising to me. That is. And that's a great segue to the tweet of the week. Will, can we, can we go to the tweet of the week? No, hold on. I'm going to read off more games and touchdown stats. Here we go. Uh, no. So, two of the week. So, this was Izzy uh, uh, Alcafas, um, your your league mate. Um, he is at, oh, what's his Twitter handle? It's it's not, at DTC underscore Izzy E. His tweet was really curious about this dynasty PPR. And if you, if you go to his uh, Twitter page, he has a lot of tweets like this where, and you can go back historically, he tweeted like rookie, you know, rookie comparisons week one and week four and stuff. So you can kind of see how the perception has changed in the dynasty community. So it's fun. Totally. I think you should check that out. But this was his question. He's comparing, he, he slipped out key makers of this, of this conversation. He's comparing these four rookie running backs, dynasty PPR league. You got Clyde Edwards, Elair, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift and JK Dobbins. So Will, two questions for you. First of all, who's your guy among these four? And what does Twitter say? Who, who does Twitter want out of these four? Uh, Twitter wants Dobbins. That's that's the that's the hotness right now, uh, in my opinion. You, from from what I've seen, you you are you are spot on with that. It is it is Dobbins. Dobbins is at thirty four point six percent. You want to guess who number two is? Oh, are we really? I mean. I, see, this is the the read that I, I I don't have because Dobbins is the one that's talked about most. Do you think it's gonna go Swift Clyde Taylor? That that's what I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess Twitter went Swift Clyde Taylor. You're you're close. It's it's Clyde Swift Taylor. Clyde yeah. 27.6, Swift 20%, Taylor 17.7. So you know there I guess there's a, a a consensus for Dobbins right now on Twitter, but it's not he's not blowing these guys away necessarily. Um, so. And it's really interesting. Um, 
So what, what are your thoughts? What, who do you want? Have, have you changed your, your thought process on how you rank these guys? And, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about the, these rookie running backs? And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the ones that we expected to do big things. I'm not talking about James Robinson, who's a great story. Um, or, uh, or, or is there, are there any other, other rookie running backs that are impressing? Uh, I don't think Caleb so. Blas, I think is still technically a rookie. <laughs> Brian Nall. So just, you know, not, not that we need to have a huge conversation about this, but, but I am curious. Um, and, and why is Dobbins, I, I guess, why is Dobbins the, the number one? Um, Cause I, I liked him going in, but I still would not rank him as, as my number one now. Um, Cause I don't, I mean, yeah, he's looked good, but I, I don't know. I don't know that any of these guys have really done enough to make you think, Oh my gosh, you know, this is the next, you know, Dalvin cook or CMC or anything like that. Yeah, well, because I think Dobbins carries the the biggest uh, like like hidden box upside, you know, you know, great college profile, good draft capital taken by you know a great a great GM like that that team drafts just extremely well, um, and the upside for that basically they're they're looking at like he could be Mark Ingram plus from last year versus taking what it is what is happening this year mm-hmm. and since nobody else is really, really overly impressed, it, it goes back to, back to that. Like, I think Dobbins has the most like hidden box upside. Uh, we don't really know. I mean, with, with Mark, with, uh, sorry, when, when Dobbins had like was thrust in the starting role, like we didn't see the boom game they were really hoping for. Again, it was the Steelers and everything like that. But uh, I don't know. I, I think that it's just Dobbins was high on both film and analytics going into this season. Uh, in the rookie drafts. And now that he is the one that th- has the least mud on him, I guess is what I'll say is that now he's, he's promoted to the top. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's really interesting to me that to see that, you know, Taylor, uh, although it, it's close, you know, he's, he's number four on this list. Um, and is it, have we just bought into the fact that, you know, kind of the narrative now is that he doesn't have elite, you know, he, he has lack of vision, and now maybe he, you know, is not the, you know, he, he has these fumbling issues. I mean, are we, I mean, I don't know. And it's one fumble and you know, you, who, who really knows what's going on there. I, I still struggle to, to change between moving, like moving Clyde, like Clyde Edwards and down because he's the first round pick. He's that five-year contract. He's on the best offense on all of these. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Ravens get, get labeled as the best rushing offense overall, but that's quarterback related. I don't think that's just running back related. And Mark Ingram is an RB one ish, depending on your league scoring last year. Uh, that's what you want Dobbins to be, but it might just be the same, you know, you know, Dobbins had a, had a chance to take over in weeks eight and nine with, with him out. And he was still getting, I mean, in week eight, he had 35.6% snap share in week nine, he had 30.8. Like what, he, it was, it was higher. It was higher before Ingram. I'm just so confused by the, the, the Dobbins love overall. It's, I think it's just because he hasn't made any mistakes, but we also haven't gotten any fantasy production out of him. Right. And, and I, I mean, you're probably frustrated if you own any of these guys. I, I mean, let's be honest. Cause I, I think that you were hoping for more from all of them, their rookie season. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I struggle. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, you know, I, I get why we kind of change our mind because I, I kind of struggle each week. Um, cause they, cause you're right right now. We're, uh, we're not talking about their strengths. We're, we're looking at their, 
you know, th their flaws or drawbacks. And um, I, I do, I do think it's muddy. I, I don't think it's necessarily clear. Probably the smart money is if you want to go for safety, you, you probably want to go with, with Clyde because of, because, yeah, because he's talented and he's in a, that offense. Um, I, I don't know. I still think with upside though, I, I think Jonathan Taylor of, of all these guys still probably has the, I don't know, oh shoot! I and I was looking that. at Jonathan Taylor, not J.K. Dobbins. Hold on, yeah, with, the, with those snap shares because Jonathan Taylor's snap share has tanked a little bit, and then they said he was injured. There's just a lot of like mystery around him. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there is. It's 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 frustrating. It's just frustrating. but it's also it's also hard because all these guys are still the the teams that have these players paid up for them, and you're not getting like you're not getting like a great buy low opportunity. Nobody's just jumping ship. Because there isn't a player to jump ship for, right? Uh, Dobbins. So Dobbins in week eight and nine. In eight, he played seventy-two percent of the snaps for Baltimore, but ended up as the running back nineteen. You know, in in fantasy points, and then in week nine, it was fifty-nine percent. Ended up as the running back forty-nine. So those, you know, I just think that we're overlooking. Like somehow Dobbins still has this this like this like uh unknown upside contingent to him because he went for two touchdowns in that first game uh, and then ha hasn't scored since and I, I, are we finding reasons to to not to, to to dislike uh Clyde and Jonathan Taylor With Swift is hard because it's the Lions and it's, it's I'm starting to believe Ryan that the Lions are just a dumpster house for fantasy talent the, yeah, it seems that way the Lions are one of those teams that's uh I don't know it's it's it's, I don't want to say the, the curse or anything, but man, they just, I don't know that just, you know, there was some reason for optimism, I think coming into this year for the lions. I, I thought maybe there was a chance that they could, you know, have a winning record and do some things, but Oh yeah. You know, if I had a dollar for every time we heard about Matt Stafford's pace from last year <laughs> when he was playing and I was on board with it. Don't get me wrong. I bought, I totally bought into it. I totally yeah. Cause into I mean, that. why wouldn't you Matt, Matt Stafford has been a, a stat machine for year, year, you know, year over year. And you've been able to pick out pieces from that wide receiver core and rely on them and this rookie yeah and so coming into this i just right what do you think are you, are you just against I, I know you said you you still wouldn't take dobbins first but what do you think is causing this no i, I think i think you're right i i think that uh, well I, I think when you look at clyde and jonathan taylor i just think that they've been disappointments i i think that i, I think here, here's one of the things i think with, with dobbins I, I i think that the, kind of going into the year kind of the narrative was we're going to have to wait for Dobbins. It's probably not going to happen in 2020 because Mark Ingram is still there, but 2021, he's going to come out and explode. So I don't think we had the expectations for Dobbins that we did for Taylor and Clyde Edwards Elaire. I think that a lot of people thought this, including myself that, you know, CEH and Jonathan Taylor, they're going to be foundations of, of winning, you know, um, dynasty teams and, and redraft teams in 2020. I and mean, they're just going to be huge. I mean, you know, they're both going to be running back ones and, they're, they're going to bring you home a title and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I think since they have, you know, they let so many people down, we, we look poorly upon them, but with Dobbins, he hasn't really let us down because we weren't necessarily thinking that he was going to lead us to um, a, a fantasy title. And I think Swift, I think we were kind of up in the air, like, well, maybe you could have a big year in 2020, but maybe not because it's the Lions. So let's kind of wait and see that that's, I, I guess that's where I'm kind of landing on this. Yeah, and, and and looking back on it, you know the 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 Dobbins game against Pittsburgh carried a lot of weight, you know, in Week Eight, and so this is that recency because yeah, you know, 120 yards, 21 yards rushing is 
is super impressive, you know, and the Steelers are not a defense to be laughed at, but you had like the scope of it all. And with Mark Ingram being out and then going up against Indy, another great defense. I'll be curious to see where he goes. Uh, this, this poll in two weeks from now could just be completely flipped. And I think that's, that's why Izzy does these polls because we go from week to week value on a running back dynasty uh, opinions, but this, this kind of stuff, I just don't know how to take it to how you're going to warp your team. Like if you have one of these players, if you're going to try to get one of these players, Ryan, the only player that I've been able to trade for uh, is, is acres and be able to get them. You know, I got him for in a, a one quarterback, a full PPR dynasty league for Will Fuller and uh, Chase Edmonds. And I thought, you know, I think that's a really good, like, like upside play for a team that isn't going to compete this year, but that he might be the only one that's acquirable right now. All these guys are basically off limits. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, well, let's let's move on. It's kind of a depressing conversation because, I, like I said, at least two of those guys, I think most people were thinking, okay, they're going to have huge years and and be big time contributors to the twenty twenty squad. But you know that may not happen. It still could happen. Let, let's be honest. It's we're going into week ten, and I mean, Jonathan Taylor could get hot and and, and blow up, and then the year we've seen it. Same well, with CEH. Same with same with all these guys could blow up and and lead you to a title. It just doesn't look likely. So so Ryan, Elaire's uh, uh, last three games, his carry totals are eight, six, and five. That's a you know it's it's rough to when you go to like a Twitter poll <laughs> and you Adams Lair or you've been monitoring this. You're like, yeah. oh no, this is. I guess I can't put him up there. Yeah, I may I may not have realized just how bad it was as far as usage wise for him, but I still think you just bet on that that offense is so secure and so locked up long term. Yeah, the, the Chiefs are interesting because they they can beat you in so many different ways, and the, and they are just kind of, you know, okay, what what is the defense trying to stop here? Well, we'll, we'll beat you with this, or we'll beat you with that. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean that could be part of it too. Um, well, let's, well, we're, we're starting to go a little long here. So let's, let's get right into our hot, bold, spicy takes for, for week 10. I don't know if we want to recap, you know, we obviously didn't have any for week nine. I don't know if we want to go back to week eight, um, spoiler alert. We, we didn't get our takes right. So, um, <laughs> unless you want to mention anything going back, anything worth mentioning, should we just jump right into our hot, bold, spicy takes for week 10? Yeah, let's jump in. So we got five levels. We sign each other. There's banana pepper jalapeno habanero ghost pepper and of course the almighty carolina reaper let's see how we assess each other's takes i'm gonna let you go first because or i'm, I'm gonna go first because i think your take is, is probably more fun than mine i'm just going to that um la chargers miami dolphins game i think it's going to be fun because you got um the two of the three um hot rookie qbs going at it you got tua and justin herbert um, I think the Chargers are going to flip the script this week. Well, I think the Chargers are going to oh, go into Miami. Mistake, already, already Carolina Reaper. Going to go into Miami. They're going to beat the Miami Dolphins, and both Tua and Herbert are going to finish as QB ones in Week Ten. Hmm. Hmm. It's only a two and a half point game. I think the Chargers could upset them, but that's a, always a rough take. To go to like, choosing the charges to win is just a, the charges to win a mixed bag. Poor, it doesn't matter the poor, spread or choice. Um, 
and they're both going to finish as QB ones. I don't think Tua does it against the Chargers defense. Oh, the the Chargers did trade away their their best defensive player, Desmond King. Pretty bad lately. Yeah, I know because they they got rid of Desmond King. You know, go Hawks. Yeah, that's the only difference. You know, what? Yeah. Anyway, because Herbert's basically probably a lock for QB one in a week like this. So two as a QB one and the upset. I'm going to go ghost pepper. All right. Ghost pepper. It is. Cause you're only choosing a, a, a two and a half point upset. And for Tua to have a, like some fan, you know, some luck in there. West coast know? team traveling across the country. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's fair. I'll, t- I'll take a ghost pepper. Right? It's not, it's certainly not my hottest take of the year. That's for sure. But it's a parlay, which I, which I enjoy. And I think carries more risk than probably what I'm giving you credit to yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll get lucky this week. Has, hasn't worked out yet. So, Will, what's your hot, bold, spicy take of week 10? Well, one, there's 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 no hot, bold, spicy take anymore. That's just like one, like, hey, this this one thing is going to happen. Right, Ryan? Because somehow in the past, we just we garnered that that is not Carolina Reaper. Even with your your like triple parlay, uh, which maybe we'll talk about that later. Maybe I'll go to, maybe I'll go to Carolina Reaper because parlays are tough. But uh that it's just not allowed anymore. And I was kind of looking at the trying to figure out that this week's was tough. Uh, I, it, it's, you know, it's just hard to have like a real passion about who who's going to boom and where. And I landed at a point that, that I'm pretty excited about. So, you know, the Rams are, are coming or they're, they're hosting the Seahawks and they're one and a half point favorites. And we know that Seahawks defense can just be decimated in the secondary. But so let's go a little bold here. So I'm going to go both Robert Woods and Cooper Cup combined for over 300 yards total. I don't receiving, rushing, not special teams, and three touchdowns total. That was the the one I, I was kind of like debating about. But in the end, the Seahawks take the game. So take the the fantasy takeaway is that you know you got to expect these guys to both have boom games, but. So, so uh, the, the Seahawks upset the Rams and um, Robert Robert Woods and Cooper Cup combined for over 300 yards and t- three total TDs. Um, that's a lot to, to have happen. Um, it's probably comparable to mine, though, I think, at the end of the day. Well, mine isn't, mine isn't fantasy finish related, so it doesn't factor in injury. It doesn't factor in whatever else yours does. They both factor in injury because if one of Tua or Herbert go down, they're not going to finish QB one. Same with. I mean, they might though if they go down and the rest of the quarterbacks underperform. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give yours a Carolina Reaper. I, I think that um, I, I think that it's more likely for Tua and Herbert to finish as QB ones than it is for uh, Bobby Woods and Cooper Cup to to do what you think they're going to do. So uh, I'll give you I'll give you Carolina Reaper. I'm a nice guy. I, I like it. You're just trying to make me feel bad. Congratulations. No, no. Um, well, maybe a little bit. But. Well, all, all these 300 yards are going to come in the first, you know, whatever scripted plays that the Rams do because they seem to crush it early on and then it just kind of fades away. Yeah. yeah. That, that's going to be a fun game. I, I mean, the afternoon games are a lot of fun. The early games, not so much this week, but um, the afternoon games are going to be fun this week. So, all right. Well, any two-minute warning, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, it's kind of been, I've, I've kind of like just spilled everything tonight. I mean, not a ton, but uh, I, I'm glly to be back. The fantasy season may continue. So let's just enjoy it while we have it, everybody. 
let's be, just enjoy be happy for what you have yeah and let's enjoy it while we have it um i'll say two minute warning enjoy this while we have it and just be safe out there you, you know make smart decisions these these case numbers continue to rise it's scary out there uh, so just take it seriously use common sense and be safe so with that we're the fantasy joes you can find us on twitter we're at ff joes he is at fantasy joe underscore will i'm at ryan livergood on behalf of will greenwood i'm ryan livergood and we are the fantasy joes keenan allen is going to single-handedly beat the dolphins he's becoming my one of my favorite players i love keenan allen and we we just dogged on him so much it seems going into the year but it's, it's well, crazy. you're right. Game one, game one, you know, with Tyron Taylor, <laughs> you're like, oh, we knew it. We knew it. And then Justin, the goat air bear comes in and just another, just another case for, you know, taking those highly drafted quarterbacks early, you know, even if they're, they're not, they're not touted overall. I mean, even Trubisky, you could have gotten a return on value after his first season, wherever you drafted him in his, you know, your super flex rookie draft. Or especially his second season. I, I mean, with Trubisky, he flipped out to the second season where he, he flashed a little bit. Yeah, you, you probably did the, well for yourself. Ryan, the hard part, though, is because Herbert's not like Daniel Jones and Trubisky, right? He's not just doing it on broken plays and kind of scrambling. Like, No, he's like legit he good. Seem, he seems really, really good. <laughs> he is legit good. Also, the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers, which I might have said San Diego. Maybe I didn't. Uh, I think they hired the Washington football team's medical staff. Remember how many extra surgeries uh, oh, the yeah. players have had to have from Washington? Like, and then now there's now now that now they poke a lung, and we haven't seen Tyrod Taylor since. And then uh, with Justin Jackson, like I guess he went back to the medical tent and was able to come back for one play, and then weird, was done. Yeah, like somebody needs. I think Ryan, Ryan, I think it's time somebody probably needs to be fired. Two words: bring back Dr. Chow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see everybody. Good night.